Welcome everybody to the Kid Casper Podcast. I am your gracious, beautiful, blessed, beloved, and black host, the kid that they call Casper. The K-I-D in Kid Casper stands for that king of development. I'm that menace with the melanin, so reject me as I am as long as he is still relevant. Welcome everybody. It's Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? We made it. Um, it's, it's been a, um, quite rigorous to um, get here today. Um, we've had to reschedule a couple times. You know, um, family matters come up, um, you know, different obligations um it's just life happens we'll just say that when you serve a god that we serve you kind of have to be ready to call an audible and if you're not ready to pivot you might get your ankles broken i don't know or you might get crossed up or it just might end up being funny so you know you almost have to like operate in this in this life being ready to adjust um so this is your first time tuning in today um, hello, I'm that quirky black kid that they call Casper. I'm a Christian raptivist. Yes, rapper slash activist. Like, I love Jesus, but I'm super far from a pacifist. Like, I'm righteous, but the top of my head says ratchet. Um, I mean, that depends on what day it falls on. It usually ends up on the days that end with Y, but I'll let you reconcile with that um, this evening. Uh, taco enthusiast, graphic designer, ghostthreads.com. That's how we pay the bills around here. And drink water and mind your business you know what i'm saying i think that's the only thing i can really break off to the people this evening um anyway so i have um i i say special guest but this brother's practically family at this point you know what i'm saying um i have a returning i would say a returning panelist a returning friend to the channel to the platform um to help kind of dive deep into this conversation with me um it was it, personally this is one of my new favorite people I say new favorite people mean like he is new to my life and he's become one of my favorites. Um, there are plenty of old people in my life that are not my favorites. So I guess that says a lot about this brother. You know what I'm saying? Um, anyway, but my, I won't even say guess. I'll say who is accompanying me in this space this evening is my good brother. Um, my, my, my good brother, leader, you know what I'm saying? A, a mentor in some ways, um, you know, pastor, father, um apparently he stepped his skincare routine up so that's good too everybody everybody say <laughs> he's laughing in the background that's good everybody say hey what's up to pastor pastor rob how you doing today? <laughs> oh man i can hear you just fine um so before we kind of get into all of that can you tell the people that you stepped your life up and got you some skincare uh, routine, you know what no, I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, regiment routine, you know, it's not as fancy as yours right now, but we're doing it. We're taking it one day, one moment, one step at a time, you know, one scrub, one rubber dub dub at a time. So, you know, a little self care, making it happen, you know, one, 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 one scrub, one wash at a time. Uh, I, I started off actually borrowing my wife's stuff first. So I, I started using her stuff because I felt a little judged last time. I felt I felt a little judged, so uh, I was on the show. So I said, you know what? Let me start using some of my wife's stuff, see what happens. And, uh, you know, it felt good. So I was like, you know, my wife, she's Puerto Rican, Latina. So she's a little fairer skinned than I am. And so I was like, you know what? Let me go out here and let me see what the ancestors used to use. <laughs> and so I went out and, uh, got me some black mud mask that was, you know, straight from Africa. That's what, At least that's what the models say. Um, at least it got an African continent on it, so we'll see what happens. But 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 you know, you, know, you look but good right now. 
you know, but right now it's that middle season, you know, us mid light skin people, like our skin starts changing colors at this time. So I got some highlights, you know, some yellow, still got the tan from the summer, but it's starting to change because, you know, over here in Illinois, it's, it's getting cold already. So it's hoodie season. It's hoodie season already over here. Absolutely. So my skin regimen is definitely changing and my skin is changing. Uh, so I'm just trying to like, I may need to, you know, I don't know if men are supposed to wear toners. I'm not sure. I don't know. But um, I need something to kind of, because I got like five different shades of light skin happening right now. Not five so, different shades of light skin. Like if you... Like five, <laughs> I got, I got like five different shades of light skin right now, brother. I don't know what color I am right now. I don't right. know if I'm yellow, brown, mahogany, pecan. I, I don't know. I'm somewhere in all the shades of my blackness. Matter of fact, stand back in the light a little bit. You start seeing all the different shades. But anyway, we out here. Yeah, we out my, here. That is hilarious. That is good, man. So, um, so how we got here today as far as wanting to have this conversation is, you know, obviously for those that have um, not been under a rock, uh, you know, this movie just recently came up. I think it was on uh, Peacock, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it's yep. on Peacock. And I think it's a Sundance film. Like, it's like one of those like independent films, essentially. Um, Honk for Jesus. And Honk. I know I was like, oh, this is, oh, this movie, this movie something, something. You know what I'm saying? It's definitely, it, I thought it was a comedy from the, di from the distance. <laughs> but then... I sat I back. I like it was my life. Yeah, I, I, I saw my. I, I definitely saw my life in that movie, and it was it was it was it was very uh, triggering. It was very triggering because I know it was created to be satire and the extra. But you know, somebody who grew up as a church kid, a church preacher, who's actually you know a pastor now, a leader now, in many places, especially in the faith community. Yo, I saw reality. I saw reality of a lot of people. I saw some of my life, some of my reality, and I, I was triggered. I actually had to have a conversation with my wife, like directly after it to be like, yo, I'm not okay right now because uh, it was very real. It was very real. And it, it, it really, you know, it made, I was two days after I watched it, to be honest, like two days, I, I was, I was completely done. And I was just like, yo, what is happening? What is life right now? But anyway, I know we're just getting in the conversation and this is your show. So I'm gonna make sure I, you know, I'm gonna let you take the lead. Yeah, it's, um, for me, I definitely was like, oh, much like you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I didn't grow up in church, but like, you know, in my early adulthood and even now I still navigate in those different spaces. Um, but I also noticed that you don't really have to be, I would say, like a church attender to kind of relate to this movie. Because, like, if you just operate in different spaces and you experience the different levels of, like, power dynamics, then you'll see this movie in your life. So it was definitely, like, it was triggering and I didn't know why it was triggering in some ways. So I was like, mm. So I talked about it. Uh, with my lady definitely had to talk about it with my therapist um, But at the same time, I was just like, you know what? I feel like this would also be good to talk about um, Like publicly because I think that there's um, as you and me talked about um, in the space I think it was about two weeks ago. We talked about, you know us being 
um, male survivors of abuse, um, the nature of sexual abuse, um, to be yep. specific, and how there's many instances in which that we were victimized, but did not know, like didn't see the signs of how that happened. But then when we saw the movie, it was like, I don't know for you, my brother, but for me, I definitely was like looking at it and was just like, oh, heard that language before, just with a different face. So it was definitely like, okay, um, I feel like this, I feel like this will be helpful in some ways for some people because one, it's very easy to be caught up in like cycle of abuses and abuse doesn't always have to be physical. You know what I'm saying? Like it always doesn't. It doesn't always have to lay a hand on you for it to be abusive, and you could end up falling in that trap before you think it's too late. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts were on that, sir. Nah, oh, man. To be honest, um, what I identified with one of my books that I'm reading right now is called Dark Psychology, and I'm really learning as a survivor and as an advocate or victims of sexual trauma. Um, I'm really learning the art of psychology, uh, dark psychology, specifically manipulation and mind control and how people are able to take advantage of people or, uh, or, or twist people's will to do something else. And man, I saw it so, I saw so many of the things running through that movie that it scared me. And that what scared me was it was all in the name of Jesus, right? It was all in the Say name that. of Jesus, but supposedly in the name of Jesus, but understanding there was so much more going on that oftentimes most pastors and leaders, and I don't want to get on here and and down pastors and leaders as a pastor and leader, I'm always sensitive to this topic and to this type of thing, but I will say that um, I saw a leader that was unsubmitted to authority, a leader that did not have any bit of, 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 uh, success in any other area in his life besides his ministry and his life and the essence of who he was was built upon um, his ministry, which is people's applaud and people's support um, and people choosing to see how great he was um, based on what he could do. And, you know, that's a total disaster for an arrest before disaster. And it reminded me of the plight of so many pastors and leaders who live in the world today who whose rise to power, fame, significance was on the back of the church in the name of Jesus. But with, with that, um, they build kingdoms and they build structures that are centered around their gift, their, their gifting, their, their charisma, um, sometimes their habits, their, their personality. Um, and I think that's number one problematic because when you build a ministry on that, it's going to fall on that too. Right. Any ministry that's not built solely on Jesus, the word um, being the central location and not a personality. Right. It's going to be issues. Anytime a man puts you on any pedestal, you are bound to fall one day or another. Uh, and so that's also why I don't you know, I, I tip around when I talk about stuff like this, because I want to I want to extend the same grace that I would want if anything ever happened to me or I did anything crazy. But what it did for this dude in this movie, the pastor. Um, if you saw the movie, it produced this this drive, this almost um, self-centered, self-righteous drive, you, all in the name of Jesus that was motivated by a need to be relevant, by a need to be seen, by a need to be heard, not because it was Jesus that needed to be seen heard, but because he needed to. It was his church. It was his message. It was his problem, right? And 
obviously throughout the movie, you see this man who was obviously broken, who has not dealt with his own issues from his own life, and he's trying to lead, but at the same time, him leading because he's falling into this issue, you know, that most people do fall into who rise to power um, and don't deal with their stuff because it's most, most people don't realize it's the pressure at the top. Whatever you don't, whatever pressure you don't deal, whatever issues that you don't deal with at the bottom when you starting out, right? When you rise to power, when you get into certain places and certain rooms, that pressure from up top is just going to squeeze whatever's in you out of you. And so this dude you see in this movie, he starts using manipulation tactics with his wife. His wife is like not going for it, you know, and I'm a feminist and a womanist. And I was just sitting there like, yo, sis is trying to support her husband, but she is in a place where she's just trying to be supportive. But at the same time, he is making her look like a clown. And when when you saw that throughout the movie and she would go and she was silenced and she was being shut down time after time with his vision, with his drive. And really, it was all driven by his selfish ambition. And that selfish ambition is what will kill anybody. Like ambition will, selfish ambition, and nothing wrong with being ambitious, but selfish ambition will, man, it blinds you. And you will use anybody, everybody who's around you at your disposal to make sure that whatever you're trying to do, whatever you're trying to build for your sake, for your glory, for your for your notoriety, right? You everybody else becomes a pawn in your scheme of trying to be great, be relevant. Um, and this was the epitome of a toxic definition of what it means to be a man, to what it means to be a man of God, to being a man of faith, to be a man of color, like on every level. And it really bothered me in a very deep way. I'll tell you why. As a survivor of sexual trauma, I saw that movie and I saw him trying to cover up his tracks, saying that he's changed, right? Right, he's changed, man. But then when he had intimate moments with somebody, he was hitting on us, he was hitting on another dude, right? He was hitting on another dude. But when he was confronted in public, right, he he was he was he was changed. I'm different, right? But behind the scenes, he wasn't. So that was triggering at one point. Um, and I think another point that was really triggering for me was to um, watch him, was to watch him like shut down his wife continuously, who was trying to give him wise counsel, who was trying to, you know, even though she had her own selfish stuff, she had, she was built, she was trying to, you know, do whatever it took to get the ministry back up and going. But it was, it was, it was triggering because she was also covering him up too. Um, she was covering him up too. And the people um, that really needed help, the people that were hurting were the people that were overlooked and demonized, right? Who were trying to be bought, who were trying to, you know, shut up. But I also, you know, as a pastor too, it made me on another level, I had to go ask my wife some hard questions like, yo, am I like that? Because, you know, I'm a driven person and mm. sometimes I can, I can get like real ambitious real spiritual and sometimes if you're not careful and you don't have people around you that you can trust right you will mistake your own selfish ambition for the voice of god for your life so you'll be like yo god said this and god did this no that's your hurt that's your trauma that's your selfish ambition that's your own stuff that you've been carrying that you are reaching for something 
right? That 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 is not what needs to be. There were many seasons in my life that I wanted to do certain things, and if it wasn't for my wife saying like, "Nah, I'm not doing that," like I would have been out here bogus, right? A clown and making her look like a clown. And I also had to ask my wife too, as a you know pastor's wife, like, "Yo, have I ever made you look like a clown? Have I ever made you feel like a clown?" And she's admitted at times she felt clownish. Now my wife, she's Latina, and so she ain't gonna be looking like a clown for too long. After a while, she's gonna be. She's like, "Yo, no, I'm out." Like she don't care, right? But um, we have had those moments. We, we had to have some heart to hearts because even as a man, right? I think in religious settings and Christian settings, we often talk about like, like, "Yo, I'm the man," but but sometimes, and I get it, but submission does not always mean they have to agree. Submission does not mean that they have to always look, you know, go along with. That's not submission, especially if it's going to hurt the family, right? Like, and so I'm just grateful that I have a wife who is, who watches out for me. And if she don't believe it's God and if she thinks it's anything else, she's going to be like, nah, bro, I'm not doing that. And um, unfortunately, he didn't have somebody in his corner like that. Um, and he silenced her and um, she made, was made to look like a clown. All in the name of Jesus. So I think I think yeah, another bro. thing to be said about even just like all of that is like we often we often like this is we see this so many times within the church. Um, I've seen this myself where we will overlook certain things, especially like leaders have or certain disciples have because of what they bring to the table that we never realize like how like they're deficiencies can take away from the table like we think that somebody that has a positive impact can't have a negative impact at the same time and sometimes we often look at you know success that we see within the ministry um and we think to ourselves like oh we have all this charisma but we have a lack of repentance you know what i'm saying and that's what i saw was like a huge issue was like he had the, you know, he showed all the cars. His, you know what I'm saying? He had the swag. Him and his wife had the swag. It was drip everywhere, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, personally, I don't like dress shoes. Like, I wear Nikes with my dress shoes. Like, that's that's just me personally, but I don't know. That That's just me personally. My people from New York. So, like, you'll see Jordans at a funeral on my feet. Anyway, um, but you could just tell that, like, Oftentimes, especially for those that proclaim to follow Jesus, that we'll look at what success looks like on a horizontal sense, that we don't make it right with God on a vertical sense. And what goes up must come down. If what we putting up is garbage, then what's going to rain on top of our heads is garbage. And what he was spewing out into the pulpit. I mean, look, do you remember when Sister went to the... Um, the, the young people church they was what she say i think she said matthew 19 27 but she was really trying to quote philippians 4 13 it was a hot mess <laughs> all around Bro. so it just you could just tell that sometimes like the very thing that got you to the to the starting point of that race it's very easy to lose like like relinquish those tactics because god might have put them in that position but god was not a part of their mission throughout the whole movie it was about it was about preserving themselves opposed to preserving the gospel at that point so well i and let me let me give some context to this i don't think anybody i don't think people publicly go into ministry not everybody some people 
right, go into ministry because their heart initially isn't in the right place, right? I think people start out well, right? Um, but it's almost like what Paul says in some of his letters, like, what happened to you? Who bewitched you, right? Like, where along the line did you lose focus? But And somebody who is, you know, who's been in ministry my entire life, it's very easy to lose focus on why you do what you do and who you do it for, especially when you start building. Let, let, first of all, when you start, because to be honest, ministry is sacrifice, regardless of what level of ministry somebody is, it's sacrifice. The mega church pastor sacrifice, the storefront church pastor sacrifice. It's just sacrifices on different levels for different reasons and different perks, right? But the thing is, like, we have to be so careful because we can start well. And what happens is the success like of a ministry, like people start equating the success of the ministry. Um, they equate that success to their own level of worth. And so as the ministry grows, oftentimes their ego grows because they have started, and especially if they started it from scratch, because it's their baby, they, you know, they've laid the foundation. And so you get to this point where you're like, I deserve this, right? I deserve this. And especially, you know, anybody who builds anything from scratch, right? Especially if they started this ministry from scratch or a ministry from scratch, yo, that's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of sacrifices, a lot of tears. There's a lot of, it's a lot of all of that stuff, counseling people. And you finally get to a place where you arrive and then to self-sabotage it and lose it all, right? Like it's not even about the people anymore. It's about their self-worth. It's about their, their identity. And and they don't know who they are outside of it because they spent 10, 20, 30, sometimes 40, 50 years of their life building and focusing on this one thing. My friend, uh, Jonathan McReynolds said this one time. He said that a lot of people do a lot of good things for short periods of time, but very little people do um, one thing for a long period of time. And those are the people who are really special that are faithful to one vision, one dream, one goal, and they actually make it happen, right? I remember when John said that some years ago, and it stuck with me because it's easy to be great in the moment. It's easy to, you know, be a wonder at something for two months, three months, a year, two years. But when you have people who have been building ministries for 10, 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50 years, right? They, they, that, that's who they are. That's what they've lived for. They've sacrificed stuff with their marriage. They've sacrificed stuff with their kids. They sacrificed for the building of this one thing. So we see it as God's church and they see it as my life, right? They see it as my life. And I just want to offer a different perspective on that. That's their life. Like, it's like my blood, my sweat, my tears, my good years, my bad years. This has been the one thing that has been constant. And to lose it all in a moment, to lose it all in a moment, man, is devastating. And what you were experiencing in that movie was a broken man who was devastated, didn't know what to do, what to turn to. So he was reaching for a former glory that he once had that he would never have again. And I've learned that in that moment, what's best to do is to be transparent, is to be honest. There was one part in the movie where the uh, victim came up to him and said, you think we need you in this city? We're good without you, right? 
because we're number one, real recognizes real. And that brother, no matter what he would do, he would not be transparent and be honest. And when you are when you are afraid to be transparent and be honest, I think sometimes I've learned that people will extend more grace to you when you're not lying, right? Than than when you are putting on the front. But be, and I think the part that hurt me the most or triggered me the most is that one of my nine survivors, one of uh, one out of the nine um, um, abusers that I have is as a pastor right now. He's a pastor right now, and out of every one of my abusers, some of them have apologized, some of them have given context, but the preacher is the only guy who is just like, it didn't happen. And I'm sitting here like, and it makes me angry. Like, sometimes I'm good, but some days I'm like, yo, let me go find bro somewhere and catch him in the corner somewhere and lo lo like let me go handle my business. But, you know, then I'm, because, and I think oftentimes, even though I don't want, what makes me crave vengeance is when I don't get forgiven, when I don't get an apology, right? I want vengeance when I don't get recompense. I want vengeance and I want blood and I want to see somebody suffer when they're not apologetic for what they did to me. Like that, and I think that's our human nature. That's why the Bible says vengeance is mine, says the Lord, because the truth is some apologies you will never get. Some and you have to sometimes to move forward in your own life. You have to accept apologies that you will never get from people. And that is the God's honest truth. Moving forward is hard. And sometimes you have to accept apologies from people that you'll never get because they don't have the capacity to give it. They don't have the they don't have the bandwidth to give it. They don't have the maturity. The maturity in a lot there. of ways. I, mm -hmm. I, I was getting there. I was getting to maturity, but <laughs> they don't have the nuts, the bandwidth, the the, the, the maturity to actually say, yo, I'm sorry, I hurt you. And oftentimes it's because they're ashamed, they're ashamed of what they've done, what they've done, and they don't, and admitting that they hurt you also sends them spiraling because oftentimes hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. And I think like another thing that was extremely alarming and like, you know, with like the work I do, with the work that you do, like it's happening I think the bad thing about this it was triggering one because it was somebody that looked like us but if you know the eddie long story that's an issue you know what i'm saying like you said it i wasn't gonna say it, it, go it yes. if you know the eddie long story this is triggering in too many ways like it's the it's the fact that like you know you know we'll we'll play politics for a second but like you hear like the right wing party always talk about oh there's fatherless in the black community there's all this like there's all these like youth these all these like angry men that come out of their homes and they don't have guidance and leadership and like this man prayed on that you know what i'm saying like he prayed on the fact that they didn't have guidance they were disenfranchised um they were you know they were lost they needed direction in some sense and he was offering direction like the brother that he was pretty much hitting on essentially he was like hey you know i could find you a job you know what i'm saying like i'll i'll supply you in these areas that i know that you may be lacking i'll give you benefits in these areas you wouldn't have reached without meeting me you know what i'm saying um establishing that dominance and that power dynamic that is toxic and that's you know allowing somebody to you know and this i think that's something that isn't talked about enough when we're talking about power dynamics is like we think because somebody is incentivizing us that they couldn't be poisoning us at the same time and you uh -huh. saw that that was his tactic 
a lot of times with these um with these people that were coming out if you know the eddie long story it was like i couldn't have been that bad for you look where you are now you know what i'm saying like yes you have opportunity but what did you have to lose to get it and i think the disheartening thing about that was like one people aren't still taking this movie seriously that's one and then it's two it's like yo like it, if you want to if you want to get real you want to get biblical for a second but this is like the example of when jesus said you will know i will know you love me by how you treat the least of these and he literally prayed on the least of these built his success helping the least of these but then the least of these are the ones that he turned his back on but claims to be a man of god so it was it was like bruh you are it was the it was the image he was fighting for not the imago day that he was fighting for and that killed me you know what i'm saying so and let me offer and i don't know if i'm playing devil's advocate but i'm just going to give another like i agree with everything that you said you know what i saw because i deal with a lot of men who have sexual traumatic who experience sexual traumatic issues both offenders as well as uh, people who are um, who have been offended against. When I saw him, I saw a man who had internal issues and broken areas in his life that he never had the space or the or the or the people, the right people around him to help him deal with his internal demons. And I'm not, and I don't want to, you know, victimize him, but what I saw, I look at those as what he was doing, and especially that one scene um, where he was petitioning the young guy to, you know, to essentially, you know, proposition him. I, now I'm not justifying it, but what I saw that is, that was a cry for help. That was a cry for help to be seen, to be heard, to be understood to be intimate um, and maybe I'm off, but, but this is this how, maybe because it's the work that I do, right? Like that was a cry. Those are the silent cries that I'm sometimes talking about. Men who have self-sabotaging behaviors that they almost somewhat cannot control are very hard to get a grip on or they don't see it because they're seeing it and they're experiencing life through trauma that they have not processed and dealt with now mind you could he have dealt with it probably so right who knows that didn't you know but um i look at that and i'm like yo he probably started out trying to really help people right but because of his own internal demons right like like because of his own stuff like he wound up hurting the people he was trying to help and i think for me I'm not saying it was right. I'm not saying it was justified because it was wrong. But I was looking at that perspective and saying, man, like this is bogus. And he does need to sit down somewhere. He does need to get some help. But you can't get no help unless you're willing to be honest. And the hard thing for me was that bro wasn't even honest with himself. And he wasn't even honest too about his sexuality, right? And his sexual desires, there was one scene in the movie, and I, and I know I might be hitting a nail here, right? But you found this dude. Remember, there was a scene in the movie where him and his wife were being trying to be intimate, and he turned her over on his on her face, so you know, face down, tail up, right? 
So you, you and he was about to go for it. And in the middle, right when he about to smash, she says, well, I thought we were going to do it the other way where she wanted to be more intimate and she wanted a missionary style. So she turned around. And as soon as he turned around, she turned around, bro lost his erection and couldn't even perform. And I don't know if people saw that. I did. I I saw that. Um, but I felt like even in that, like something was being said about the unaddressed issues with sex, sexuality within the black church and especially within the pulpit. Um, and I'm not here on this platform to say what, who should be what, who shouldn't be what, or how people should live their lives. But it is something to be said that because the work that I do, I've run into a lot of men, a lot of men who are married and who are, you know, don't know where they want to be. Some of them don't want to be married and feel stuck. Some of them are, you know, married and just got internal conflicts that they struggle and wrestle with, right? Like, but at the same time, help is, and, and it's like, and when you are that high as a person in the society, like, where do you go to, to get help? Where can you go without it being in the tabloids? Yo, pastors, such and such, such and such, right? Wife knows what's up. But she, you know, if she say anything, she lose just as much as he do. So what happens is it turns into an internal prison, right? They are literally imprisoned within something that they built that is fun in their life. And I think sometimes the biggest blessing could be the fall. Sometimes, the, and I know this is, I know this don't sound popular, but, I, but sometimes the biggest blessing for broken men is the fall because the fall gets you off of the hook to let you deal with you. Um, but broken men hurt people, hurt people. And in his effort to maybe really, because you even saw sometimes in the movies, like that in the movie, there was one instance where this guy um, who was, uh, who was um, picking up trash comes to him and says, yo, pastor, if it wasn't for your sermons, you know, your ministry, my life would be changed. And you see those intimate, real moments where you realize that real people are in the middle of all this and people's lives are being changed and impacted regardless of people's motives. The, the message of Jesus is the same, right? Right. This is the good news. Regardless, God will speak through a jackass, right? He does, right? He was the jackass he was speaking through. But you see that human, right? I just never heard you cuss before, so I was like, I'm sorry, y'all. It's a biblical time. Nah, you good, dog. You good, dog. I'll let you hold he was, that. He was a donkey. He was a donkey. I mean, in all the biblical ways. Glory to God. Oh, um, man. He was, he was nah, you good, dog. That he was using at that moment to see people's lives really change and transform. Um, but the problem was, like, his life wouldn't be changed and transformed. And I think I was, I just preached about this this week um, with Paul. Paul was writing to the Galatians, the Galatians church. And I believe it was in Paul, when Paul said like, yo, like, I, like, I less, he's like, you, basically Paul says, and I can't quote it off the top of my head, but Paul says like, yo, I got to check myself too, because I preach to you and I missed the mark. Right, I preach to you and not be able to be a partaker in it. Something around that line. Paul basically saying, like, yo, I can preach to you and you make it in.
but because the way I live my life, like I'm a, I, I miss the blessing. I, I, I cannot be a partaker in it because he becomes disqualified, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there is a place of disqualification where it takes a level of humility to say, yo, I, I, I like, and it's hard, bro. It is hard and it is humbling to say as a black man, as a church leader, because mm-hmm. at the same time, the church, like church people, like you think a church person, uh, what makes it hard for a church leader is knowing that the same grace that he's given and extended to other people is not the same grace that he's going to receive when and if he does fall. And the thing about that too is also like, I mean, we talked about how he shamed, he publicly shamed um, from the pulpit about homosexuality. But as you could see, and as you right. saw, like with the victims, like he did indeed struggle with that. Whatever you want to call it, you call it a fix, fetish, whatever. The dude, look, man, it. I, I don't judge. The dude swung that way, and that's fine. You know what I'm saying? But the problem is that he himself could, he himself, he expected what he supplied, meaning like he supplied shame from the pulpit. So what else could he have been met with? You know what I'm saying? Like Listen, I call, I, I call my know, dude. I go, this your show. Go ahead. Go the, ahead I, I tell people that all the time, like bro, like it's just, it's just hard to, it's just hard to have an appetite for anything else other than what you serve people. You know what I'm saying? And in that case, like he only knew shame in that case. So of course he would be hiding or would not be as confident to like really, really show public repentance. Like the dude was like, I am truly saddened about my ways, but then he gets buck naked in front of children, mind you, for baptism. And then like, personally, now me personally, I listen to Nuck if you could buck. Like I said, top of my head says ratchet, I, I don't judge. Um, but then this man be the, you know, these are the same passes that'll be in like, I'm talking about, we must repent for your ways. You gotta change your life around and then be in the car driving off listen to knuck if you could buck listen to probably the wop and, and that wop ain't your wife's wop it's like what are you doing with your life but go ahead and keep on singing about it and like you know what i'm saying it's the but it'd be the lot a hit dog hollering you know what i'm saying in this case this this dog didn't want to admit that he was hit by some of the things that he was hit with so let me bro of course that's really good that you it. it, it's good. It, it's it's real though because like sometimes like i think of like conviction i think of condemnation like conviction the goodness of god as far as conviction goes like it will bring people to the thought and the action of repentance condemnation drove judas to kill himself peter to run um it drove it 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 it, it, even abraham very very early in the bible where he was like "Mm, i messed up i mean I don't think it really had much to do with God with him sending his son away. Like you knew you wasn't supposed to have this baby with this woman, but he st- but he decided to sometimes you and I say this to say like sometimes you will spoil an inheritance that God has for you by sending it away not wanting to take responsibility for what you really need. And in this case, you saw so many times that when he could have inherited grace, he could have inherited um he could have inherited the goodness of God. Instead, he got the finger and he got judgment, which he should have, you know what I'm saying? Um, but the fall, he he avoided the fall. And you can't avoid gravity. He trying, though. He, he tried many, many times. So I tell people this all the time. And this is the one thing that I will boldly say flat-footed to every preacher that's out there. 
we do not change the standard of the word of God, but you cannot preach beyond your life, right? Like how you, and what I mean by that, and maybe that's not the best way to say it. I would say we have to ensure that what we are preaching is, is, is laced with grace, understanding, mercy, and humility. Because whenever you approach that biblical text and you let pride, ego, culture, uh, doctrinal beliefs, like uh, hype you up in that moment when you got them endorphins running through your body because you feel in the spirit and you get bold and you start saying stuff and everybody's saying amen, like, yo, you got to be careful what you say because you're going to be judged by them same words, right? And I've seen preachers that I know ain't where they need to be. I've seen people who I know struggling, who got issues, get up and spew straight hot garbage from the from the pulpit because it's laced in culture and it's laced in church dogma. It's not most of the time it's not biblically, you know, accurate, but however they think, you know, anybody can take the Bible and make any point that they want to make in in, in front of whatever people they're standing in front of. And some idiot is gonna say amen. But like Bro, it's 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 very hard. Like you have to be careful, especially in 2022 and four. Right? You, we do not compromise the standard of God's word. I do not believe that we do that. That is not our job to compromise standard. But Billy Graham says something. It's my job to preach. It's the Holy Spirit jobs to convict, and it's God's job to see. Right? And it's God's job to say. It's, it's Jesus's job to say. One of the quotes he had, but. Essentially saying, it is not my job to put anybody in heaven or hell. That is not my job. Say my that. job is to my job is to love and to preach truth and love and to help people make it to heaven. That is my job. My it is not my job to judge people. It is not my job to put people in heaven and hell. It is that is God's that, that's God's job. That ain't mine, right? And it's the Holy Spirit's job that convicts people. We do not have the ability to convict anybody. That's not us. That's not your job. Stay in your lane. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict people. The Bible says some plant, some water is God that brings the increase. You may just be planting a seed. You may be watering a seed. But we got to trust that God in the process of time is going to do what he needs to do in that person's life. Because God loves that person more than you do. Right? You were called to an assignment in their lives. And listen, it's better to just walk away from people than to hurt them. Listen, pre like preach truth, right? But late, but make sure you are approaching that stage with humility, because remember, your stuff stinks too, right? And we are all, we are all, we are all, right? We are all in need of a savior who um, who forgives, who heals, who redeems, who makes whole. So you got to watch yourself before you wreck yourself. I man, and and I I don't think it's nothing more that boils my blood than to see people on a pulpit and just 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 straight sh shooting garbage. But Pastor, um, the main issue was the fact that they got more, and I've seen it. So, okay. So when I got saved, you know, from going to hell on a scholarship, you know what I'm saying, at 19 years old, I've operated in Pentecostal circles, right? And oftentimes we will we get to a point where it's like we fall in love with the messenger more than the message. You know what I'm saying? And what happens if our messenger is attacked, 
then we somehow get caught up and look at the messenger as like instead of a godly figure this figure is god and that and when that is i mean like he had the what was it the faithful six the faithful six of the people that was there like it was it was to the point that like we saw as it crumbled but we've seen so many times in our pulpits um and people will stand by leaders um and forget let's step away from the church for a second people that will side by ceos people that will side by presidents yeah i said it uh people will side by government officials um you name it and even like if you want let's get intimate for a second but like siding with certain family members because of their stature we'll, we'll worship them and exalt them to a point that they reach god status that it seems blasphemous to even speak against them and the problem with that is is like well obviously man is not god um there was only one of those and two is like you make a lot of excuses when people do wicked things and call it godly so then not only is it a tarnish to our public witness to the gospel but somebody's getting brutalized <laughs> and victimized in the name of jesus and it, it just create it once again it creates a more cycles of abuse so it's not only abusive to those that are that are being physically victimized by it but then those that are playing witness to it and be like, oh, this is just gospel. So now they have a very counterfeit version to what godliness is. And there's more hurt people involved than the one that was physically impacted. So it's yeah. just nasty uh, all around with this. It, it is, man. And it, it, it's a sad situation. Um, it's a sad situation. I think overall, when I'm looking at this movie, man, it, it, I, I had to repent, man, on multiple levels. Um, because not only did I see my abusers, but I saw me too, right? And then, and I saw the places in my life that I'm like, yo, bro, you blind, right? You're blind. And in some areas, and you need to make sure that number one, you go back to apologize. The first thing that I did, I looked at my wife and I said, babe, I'm sorry, right? I'm sorry. And I think every preacher needs to watch it, male and female. Because we, man, we, we, we get, we start drinking our own juice and think we somebody and that we got it. Like, and, and really like, I, it don't taste like joke. bath water or something like it. Really? <laughs> really? I just said that if you sit and poop long enough, it stops thinking. And Ooh. many of us, we sit in our own stuff and don't even realize it. And no, everybody else is scared to tell you that your stuff stinks. Mm. And they make excuses and they cover up. And maybe, you know, my wife can be harsh sometimes, but I'm grateful that I have somebody in my life who's going to call me on my stuff. And let me say this to everybody. I just preach this everybody. You need to have that one person in your life that can call stuff. And it's not always easy. And I have a couple of people that be like, yo, Rob, you're tripping, right? Rob, you're doing too much. Rob, that's selfish. Rob, you 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 being you know ignorant right now. Rob, you being get and sometimes because I'm an emotional person, right? Like and you know I don't believe in horoscopes, but I'm for those who do, I'm a Cancer, right? Like I get in my emotions, and I'm like yo, and and I, my wife has to sometimes be like Rob, you tripping, Rob, you Rob, and my wife would tell me Rob, that's ugly, right? Your heart because it's the it's all really about the condition of the heart, like where is your heart sitting? Out of the out of the heart flows the issues of life. 
when your heart is not healed, when your heart is not well, when your heart is blinded by selfish ambition, um, goals, sinful cycles, all that, right? You are, it can't produce anything that's but what's in it. So you're going to produce this type of life, but to become fully who we're created to be, right? We got to walk in humility. We need to walk in forgiveness. We need to walk in grace um, and understanding for others and for ourselves. Like, it's real, man. Um, that movie was was very, um, it was an eye-opener for me. Like, even, you know, and I'm, I'm, I've never, I don't believe I've ever sexually abused anybody, right? I've never been in that space before. But as a preacher, as a man of God, as a husband, as a creative, as a visionary, like, I had to ask myself, like, yo, are you so caught up in you and in your world that you sacrificing your kids? You making your wife look like a fool? Like you out here making God look like a fool? And really you doing what you want to do in the name of Jesus, but it's really for you? Yeah, that's some deep stuff that oftentimes many preachers don't do the work to, to the internal work to even see it. Yeah. And I think like another thing that um, needs to be addressed about this is like, I think it's it's the fact that like, I mean, like, I think it was the one beautiful thing about this movie was like, yeah, we saw like the nonsense that came with it and stuff. But we also saw that like they were very big about like how they impacted somebody's life on a monetary sense, giving away cars and all these other things. But it was like they didn't really talk about like the heart change. They didn't talk about the the renewing of a mind of somebody. It was always about, I got receipts to show that I do God's work. But as you and I both know, that most of God's work is inward, not outward. Dude, you know what I'm saying? There's a song, there's a song that they used to sing. But you know, and I I thank God I grew up, you know, in the country holiness church, right? Uh there's a song they used to say, something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Oh, what a change in my life. Um, salvation is an inside job first, where Jesus not only saves us from the penalty of sin, but I also believe he gives us the grace and the direction and through the Holy Spirit, the help that we need to save us from ourselves. Right. Um, and through the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to live lives that are pleasing to God and we are empowered to live lives right, Be, uh, that are um, that are wholesome and that are well. Um, and for those who've surrendered their life to Jesus um, and who have the dwelling of the Spirit of God, he's given those the ability to become the sons and daughters of God, right? When we learn that our real worth is where we are seated in Christ and not what we build for Christ, make a world of a difference. That was a whole mouthful right there. Like we should replay that. That part we 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 should replay. That. Uh, <laughs> that part we should replay. Like wow, like thank you, Lord, whatever that came from. But yeah. whenever we realize that our worth is based upon where we're seated in Him, we are seated, um, and we are seated um, in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We are seated in those places, and our worth comes from our position and our seat in Him, not what we build for Him. And um, oftentimes, if we, we get it mixed up, we think what we build for him makes him great, which makes us great. No, I am who I am 
because I am a son of God first. And because I know I'm his son, that's good. That's great. And it keeps you grounded and it keeps you humble. Lord have mercy, but that was good. Yeah, that, that one wasn't, listen, kid Casper, I want you to replay that one for the re for the replay. That one was good. I got you. I'll, I'll clip it up. I'll clip it up and, and, and tag you in it. That should go on somebody. Robert Marshall said it here first. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, I know I got to get you out of here. You know what I'm saying? Fam um, you know what I'm saying? Family's uh, man's first ministry. And I got to wrap it up on my side of the earth too, man. But yeah, I think like the one thing, and this won't be the last time we talk about this, whether it's in this space or in your space, I think we're getting together tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, we got yes, to some more. we did. We we got this. This this is a lot to unpack. So like, we might have to give some nuggets. You know what I'm saying? So this is the first nugget, um, and we'll work. Mm. We'll get. We'll bring y'all honey mustard for these nuggets next week. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I like you like barbecue sauce? Ooh. You gotta get honey mustard yeah. with like a little bit of like red crushed peppers in there. See, like I'm 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 part Dominican, so you gotta put the red crushed peppers in the yeah, honey mustard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get. That, that thing hit me, man. And I know we got to wrap it up, but like when we realize that our significance, our worth comes from being seated in him as sons and daughters and not what we build for him, man, what if that brother realized that in that movie? Not even so much that, but like not even so much. It's like it's better to be seated than to be seen. You know what I'm saying? Jesus was the suffering servant. He was he was the suffering servant more than he was king. And I feel like sometimes we often forget that we're supposed to be the server and worship instead of being kings and queens and being served and worshipped. So, like I said, y'all gonna get some honey mustard for these nuggets next week. You know what I'm saying? Or another yeah. time. I don't know. But Pastor Rob, uh, I appreciate you coming through, man. Uh, this was good. Uh, we'll have to chop it up outside of here and kind of like find an idea of how we want to continue to unpack this. But yeah, this was good. Um, thank you, you everybody. Oh, I got you. We'll we'll, we'll chop it up in text. You know what I'm saying?